Guys, good Tuesday afternoon. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville in our building, the Macklin Building, a show that talks about Charlottesville and all topics related to Central Virginia. If you want to look at the screen now, you'll see headlines we'll talk about, including the Forum Hotel now open at the Darden School UVA grounds. This project is significant. It's massive. It will undoubtedly have an impact on the economy locally. It's got two restaurants inside it. It's got conference space and meeting space for Fortune 500 companies to consider Charlottesville for a retreat, a corporate retreat, new jobs, new places to live. Folks need places to live that work here. All those topics and more on today's program. I want to talk the Woodbrook Shopping Center today. The Woodbrook Shopping Center is on 29 North. It's the home of El Carbone. It used to be the home of Guajiros. The Woodbrook Shopping Center has got a phenomenal location with tens of thousands of cars driving by it every single day. However, if you drive by the Woodbrook Shopping Center, the shopping center that's home to El Carbone, which is magnificent, the shopping center home to Coors Brothers north of town, you drive by that little shopping strip and you will notice vacancies galore. Why is the Woodbrook Shopping Center underperforming that topic on today's show? Remodeling is happening at Fellini's Restaurant in downtown. The entire restaurant, it looks like, has been cleared out. The bar's gone. And you got to wonder what the activity is going to yield. We'll talk about that. On the talk show today, I've said the Keswick, Virginia area is prime for a sports bar. People have asked me, where would that sports bar go? I have a better answer. Last week, I answered the sports bar should go to the Greg Bartleski State Farm shopping strip. That little strip that has the... Um, the uh, storage, the climate-controlled self-storage, I got a better place for a sports bar to go than that shopping center, and it's where the wine place in Vino Veritas, I'm not saying it should replace in Vino Veritas, I'm just saying that shopping center in the heart of Keswick would make a fantastic location for a sports bar. A lot we're going to cover on the program. The show is dynamic, so you, and the, you the viewer, and the listener can help shape the conversation the tempo, and what we discuss here. Judah Wickhauer will undoubtedly drop a Yiddish reference or two to appease our Yiddish fans on Twitter and Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and viewers on other social media platforms. If you'd like to see something from us, just put it in the feed. I want to start the program um, with some follow from yesterday's show. We talked about council and a very realistic scenario of Charlottesville Council, City Council, being all male, five men, four white men, one African-American man, Juan Diego Wade. That was the topic, one of them, on yesterday's program, and I asked you, the viewer and listener, how would you feel if Charlottesville City Council was a, a leadership team of five men, including four white men? Very, very real possibility. Deep Throat says on Twitter, by the way, Jerry and Judah, you were talking about diversity on city council. Charlottesville City is 15% African-American, so one of five on council technically means an overrepresentation by statistical standpoint and demographics standpoint. That's a great point. That's deep throat on Twitter. Um, I want to talk Forum Hotel. Let's weave you in on a two-shot. I'll let you weave in the Yiddish reference at your leisure, my friend, as your Yiddish vocabulary becomes a coveted aspect of this program. The Forum Hotel, if you guys have not had a chance to drive by there, I believe our good friend Judah Wickhauer has not, is a pretty significant project. It's a Kipton Hotel. Kipton, a respected brand in the hotel business. This is the first Kimpton Hotel on a university campus or grounds. So if you like the Kimpton Hotel brand, this is the first time this hotel brand has built a hotel 
on a university or college campus or grounds. Judah's got photos that you can put on screen. If you can get those up, give me a thumbs up, a thumbs up when they're there. Look at the screen now. I want you just to do a photo slideshow of this hotel, and then I'll speak about some of the specs here. Folks, there's two restaurants inside this hotel. It's on UVA grounds, the Darden School. The two restaurants are a sports bar called the Good Sport Tap Room. The Good Sport Tap Room, which is an elevated sports bar. Tavern fair, neighborhood pub, classic pub fare and food, TVs, wings, burgers, truffle fries, a ton of beer by the giraffe. It then has a fancier restaurant, if you may, called Birch and Bloom. Judah's rotating photos on screen. This is a steakhouse and wine bar, Birch and Bloom. It is elegant. Craft cocktails. Look at the restaurant. Can you put this something like this on screen? If you have that photo? The restaurant dining room? Uh, I think it'll get around to it eventually. Okay. The reason I'm talking about this place is you got a, you got a place for corporate retreats that can legitimately manage the flow of a Fortune 500 company. You got two restaurants, you got a hotel on grounds, you got an elevated brand, you got more jobs being created with this infrastructure, this hotel, these two restaurants. I see front of the program Christian Kelly, one of the founders of Maya Restaurant. Christian Kelly is now working in the kitchen at the Forum Hotel. He's a rock star. Ricky De Jesus, formerly the general manager of the Clifton, now at the Forum Hotel. Hmm. I mean, you got a you got a beautiful facility that can accommodate from a staying overnight bedroom standpoint, hotel rooms, from a restaurants standpoint, from a conference center standpoint from a weddings standpoint, from an events standpoint, it's right next to the Darden School, which we know big time companies are gonna come here to recruit talent from Darden, one of the top MBA programs in the world. This is significant and it's flying under the radar. And it's flying under the radar because there's such massive projects being built in the Charlottesville ecosystem that they're all overwhelming each other. Data science school is being built. The Paul Manning Biotech Institute is in the news cycle. This is in the news cycle. The other um, hotel property that Borshead and friend of the program Russ Kromberg are going to run are in the news cycle. The conference center that's coming in the news cycle. They're all distracting us from the significance of the project. If the Forum Hotel was built alone on UVA grounds and there was no other development, this would be the talk and toast of town. But because all these other projects that I just rattled off are going on at the same time, this massive project is kind of being forgotten. A sports bar in a restaurant that's a steakhouse and a wine bar on grounds at UVA, you know. Damn. Mm. And it's beautiful. And it's brand new. And it literally had its ribbon cutting last week. Hmm. Special, special, special. Um, other reason I want to bring this up is because of the staffing that's going to come with this particular project. You start wondering again where the people are going to come for these jobs. When restaurants locally can't even staff up themselves. Yeah. It's a very similar base of people that they're pulling from. All right, next topic I want to cover on the program. Alex Erpe is going to join us on the show. We've introduced a new segment to the prog program called Who Am I? 
I'm going to give you a couple clues if you want to put that lower third on screen, J-Dubs. I'm going to give you a couple clues of a local celebrity, and I want you to guess who the local celebrity is by giving your answer in the comment section anywhere you are watching. If you get it right, you have a chance to win an I Love Seville sticker. Um, Dylan's Rule and Ginny Who on Twitter, welcome to the show. So here are a couple statistics for who am I. I'm a cab driver in Charlottesville, in the Charlottesville area. I'm a country music singer. Those are two big statistics, two big facts of this person. Who am I? Country music singer and a cab driver in Charlottesville, Virginia. Do you know the answer? No. I've known this person for 22 years, almost 23 years. Wow. Andre Xavier says, um, it is a game changer for Charlottesville. I'm genuinely excited for the Forum Hotel. He's in the travel business. He's an entrepreneur. So for Andre to say that, that's big time. And, and Andre, it's, it's a kibbed, as you know, Andre knows more about this than I do. Andre's, this is Andre's business. It's a Kipton brand too, Andre. Here's a good question for you, Andre. I, I, I have a, sincerely have a question for you. How do you think what the, um, the Forum Hotel, the project that we just described, how do you think that's going to do um, when the, uh, the Boar's Head project that Russ is leading is also opening, when that finally opens in a couple months? Um, how do you think those two are going to fare? Out of curiosity, I think they'll fare well. I'm curious of your take, Andre Xavier. Bob Yarborough, the king of Redfield, says this project is quite impressive. I drove by it today, and great news on a sports bar there. Random question, how many hotel rooms have been added to the Charlottesville inventory since Dewberry picked up his property at auction? That's a great question. I don't have that answer, Bob Yarborough. I know there's been a handful of hotel projects that have opened since uh, the extorting emperor of empty lots... Um, bought the uh, Dewberry Hotel at auction. There's been other hotel projects that have opened. I don't know the exact room count, though. Great question. Travis Hackworth is watching in Danville, Virginia, and he says long-term staffing issues may be a problem for them. They're also going to be competing for conferences against major casino companies in the state of Virginia who will offer as much, if not more. It will be interesting to see how they manage the obvious issues. And... Um, Andre says the J-1 visa is a great solution for entry-level management positions. That is how I came into this country, the J-1 visa. James Watson says Darden Hotel is also not being talked about because Darden debatably seems exclusive and off-limits to most everyday people in Charlottesville. Also, it's tucked away from main travel routes. However, it is a huge new asset. That's a great point. Yeah. Great point, James Watson. I'm responding to that comment. That, that also is an aspect of why this Darden Hotel is not on the tip of our tongues. While Darden undoubtedly is part of UVA, it's the graduate business program at UVA, it oftentimes has its own bubble or its own exclusiveness and does lack a little bit of the uh, approachability that comes with undergraduate UVA. No doubt. That's a great comment from you, James Watson. I'm responding to that. I would not be surprised if James Watson gets the trivia. Who am I? I'm a cab driver and a country music singer. More tips coming in if people don't um, if people don't know the answer. Olivia Branch says the forum is an amazing addition to the hospitality community. She was at the ribbon cutting, Olivia Branch, the queen of uh, Keswick. Um, Jason Howard, that's what I'm wondering. The King of Rio Road, Jason Howard, is asking, are these hotels and conference centers going to poach talent the same way Wegmans did? Remember when Wegmans opened at 5th Street Station? A lot of the A players and B players from local restaurants went to Wegmans to work. And that really had an impact on local restaurants because Wegmans could offer benefits and perks that local restaurants could not. Mm -hmm. Set schedules, health care, paid vacation, perks that local restaurants cannot offer. Yeah. Okay? So will these two hotels... This is a great question for Andre. 
Well, the two hotels, the Darden one, and then the one the UVA Foundation is doing, plus these two conference centers, plus the restaurants inside them, will they be the next Wegmans effect for businesses that rely on frontline workers for staffing? Very good question from the King of Rio, Jason Howard. I'm gonna to respond to that. What do you think, Judah Wickhauer? I think it's likely. There's only, uh, <clears throat> there are only so many people in Charlottesville and- uh, And so, there are only so many people working jobs of that ilk in Charlottesville. Yeah. And folks that are working jobs of that ilk in Charlottesville are getting fewer and farther between. Yeah. And as, uh, you know, as prices continue to rise and housing becomes harder to, to come by, I don't see that, uh, I don't see that issue going away. Andre Xavier, who legitimately makes his living and pays his mortgage and his bills through travel and, entre and travel and through um, corporate events and folks visiting this area. He's the owner of Seville Hop on Tour, Charlottesville Travel, Patch Brewery, and a host of other brands. He knows this business better than I do. He says the Forum Hotel plus the hotel and conference center that the foundation UVA is doing, those two will be required to step up their game. Competition is the best motivator for hotels, and the more lodging options we have, more people will come to visit. It's a win-win. Kipton is a major hotel brand, and they will help promote Charlottesville on a national platform. Kipton's commitment to local food and beverage experiences is a perfect match for Charlottesville. Olivia Branch, the queen of Keswick, who is also in the travel, leisure, hospitality, and hotel business, she says 60% of uh, forums Corporate business will come from the Darden School. This is this. We should not underestimate this. I. This is this. In in any other time, this would be major major news that you have a, a hotel with a conference center opening next to the Darden School that's going to attract business, recruiting, corporate events, and Fortune 500 new business, incremental business from outside the area. We have not had this. Folks, Blackstones, the Black Rocks, the Fortune 500s coming here for recruiting and, and, and wine and dine events. This is incremental revenue for Charlottesville. This also further pinches the supply chain of labor for frontline workers in that $15 to $20 hour clip. If your business is associated or tied to staffing at the, at the $12 to $20 an hour clip, your business has got some serious headwinds in front of it. Because there's a lot of new competition opening up that's going to go after your $12 to $20 labor. And the Kipton perks, the, what Kipton can offer, is, is certainly going to be similar to the Wegmans effect that local business cannot offer. No doubt. All right, Alex Erpy's coming up in 10 minutes. You found something out about Pro Renata. We talk televisions, if you want to put the lower third. Friday, no, Thursday of last week and yesterday, we said, what restaurant in Central Virginia has the most televisions? And we thought it was like Lazy Parrot Grill or Pro Renata were one and two. Right after Lazy Pear Grill and Pro Renata, you got like Timberwood Tap House. You got, uh, I mean, Three Notch has got TVs. I love Three Notch. We were at Three Notch for brunch on Saturday. Dave Warwick, I got your text message. He listens to the show. And he said you were talking about a, a brunch story from Three Notch. We had a great brunch at Three Notch on Saturday. It was, I had the... Um, Sausage gravy and biscuits. My wife had the barbecue chicken salad. Our son had biscuits with jam. I had a couple of Minutemen. My wife had a couple of ghosts. I mean, it was just a fantastic experience. Three Notch is a place we go because we feel comfortable with our boys who are five and four months old being boys and being five, a five-year-old and four-month-old without being judged. We also feel comfortable at, say, Dairy Market. We feel comfortable at Pro Renata, Lazy Parrot Grill, the Wool Factory. Mm. And how we got on this topic about televisions is I was talking about the fantastic expansion at Lazy Parrot 
And you and I did a little reconnaissance. I want you to highlight what you found from Pro Renata. Show is yours. I found out that they've got quite a few TVs. Uh, they, uh, this is self-reporting. Uh, they were nobody was answering the phones, so uh, I spoke to their wonderful uh, <coughs> recording, and the recording says they have 16 television screens. Pro Renata on its voicemail says they have 16 TVs. Uh, Lazy Parrot's got way more than that. I'm on the Lazy Parrot website right now, lazyparrotwingsandbrews.com, and while they don't have an official number, a total count of televisions, they do highlight on the website their outside expansion, which I think you can put on screen. And on their website with their outside expansion that recently happened, Lazy Parrot's website says, we created an outside space that's non-smoking that has six 65-inch TVs and seven 72-inch ceiling fans and heaters as well. So just outside, they have six 65-inch TVs. Inside has, I'd say inside has, at bare minimum, 15 TVs. And I'm speaking conservatively. I would not, if I put the over-under at 20 televisions for Lazy Parrot, I would take the over. I think that's your clear-cut one, with Pro Renata a clear-cut two. Two fantastic spaces to watch sports. And it's a perfect segue into the sports bar in Keswick, Virginia, lower third, if you want to get that on screen. I said last week that a sports bar in Keswick would be incredibly popular and very well-supported. I highlighted the money that was in Keswick. I highlighted the 850 homes that were in Glenmore. And I highlighted the fact that the Keswick area currently really doesn't have a restaurant. And it has a lot of people looking to support it. And I said the sports bar should go into the shopping center where Coors Brothers or Greg Bartleski State Farm should go. Well, I think I got a better spot for it. I think it should go in the shopping center where In Vino Veritas is, right behind the gas station at Shadwell. There's also, I believe, an American Legion in there with some pool tables. There's a wine store in Vino Veritas that's in that spot. That's where the sports bar should go. I'm not saying it should replace in Vino Veritas, but that location is in the heart of Keswick. It's right next to the gas station, the Legacy gas station. It's right next to Glenmore, your primary neighborhood. It's right next to Keswick Estates, your secondary neighborhood. And it's got plenty of parking. That's where I would put it and I would watch it stack paper. And that is a perfect segue into the Woodbrook Shopping Center. That might be your most underperforming shopping center in Charlottesville, in, in, uh, Charlottesville and Amaral County. You got a few on 29. Obviously, the Kmart Shopping Center is tremendously underperforming, but that currently is intentional because Core and Capshaw and Riverbend Development are redeveloping the Kmart Shopping Center. That's going to be something pretty special right there across from Stonefield. You also have some terribly underperforming aspects of Seminole Square Shopping Center and Albemarle Square Shopping Center, both of those, those vastly underperforming. But in totality, in the grand scheme of things, Woodbrook Shopping Center might be your most underperforming shopping center in Charlottesville or Almoral County. You got the Woodbrook neighborhood right there. You got tens of thousands of cars that drive by the Woodbrook Shopping Center that's home to Al Carbone and Coors Brothers. They drive by there every day. You go to the back of the Woodbrook Shopping Center, it's, completely, it's almost completely empty. You got Christian's Salon there, fantastic place to get a haircut and a church, and maybe a remodeling company, and that's it. That might be your most underperforming shopping center in Charlottesville, Amor County. Can you think of any others? Mm, I mean, I... No, not right now. I mean, I'd have to drive around and check out... So you can't think of any others? No. Okay. Do you get to that side of town? Why do you think that shopping center is underperforming? I think uh, I think that corridor right there past the bridge is kind of like a it's almost like a liminal space. It's past like, the bridge. You're talking about past the newly constructed Rio Road underpass is what you're talking about. I wouldn't call it newly constructed. I mean, it's within uh, the last ten years. Yeah, uh, I would that that whole area. I mean, unless you're going to uh, Rio Hill Shopping Center to you know go. Uh, Go shopping at Kroger or uh, or a stop at Lowe's or 
the, all, the ever popular Chick-fil-A, I, I kind of feel like that whole, that whole strip of road, uh, 29, is kind of like a throughway. You're it's, saying people are just trying to haul ASS yeah. and Very, get away from there as quickly as possible. Yeah, once you once you get near, once you get to to Rio Hill Shopping Center, I think it feels like everybody's either stopping at uh, Rio Hill Shopping Center or continuing on towards you know Target and. Uh, he, this is why I highlight Woodbrook. Forest Lake. What what neighborhoods do you have right there? You have the Woodbrook neighborhood. You have the Carsbrook neighborhood, literally next to this shopping center. And it still cannot maintain occupancy. It was home to Guajiros. Guajiros got popularity, then it left. The most popular brand in that shopping center is either Al Carbone or Coors Brothers. Can anyone else name a brand in the Woodbrook shopping center besides El Carbone or Coors Brothers? Vicelli. Is that still there? Check. Are they still around? I, I'm at, you said it. You suggested it. So I mean, you just the, came up with something and I'm weren't sure if they're open? Here. I mean, it's right in the picture. But we're not sure how recent this photo is, though. Uh, I believe it's a couple of years old. I believe Sam's Kitchen is in this. The restaurant is in here. Is Vicelli still there? Uh, their website's still up. Uh. Neil Williamson watching the program. He says, with the Kipton Hotel, with the Forum Hotel, this new property will attract Monday, Monday through Thursday occupancy, which is where Charlottesville Hotel occupancy is soft. He's exactly right. Matt uh, Daring. I got that right. Matt Daring. Matt Daring. Sam's Kitchen is there, he says. Thank you, Matt. That shopping center could be so dope. There's a neighborhood literally behind it. Literally a neighborhood behind it. It's across the street from a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It's across the street from a Lowe's. I mean, that's not going to help it. It's getting thousands of people visiting a location across the street from you is not going to help it? Who doesn't want to be across the street from a Chick-fil-A? The visibility? Okay, I still don't think it's going to help. Just because somebody stops at Chick-fil-A doesn't mean they're going to drive across the street and uh, stop in a little you know, in a little shopping center. Just because they go to Chick-fil-A and they drive and they go to Chick-fil-A for their chicken nuggets, they'll see the shopping center across the street, though. Yeah. It'll at least get some visibility. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's why I I'm, I'm so shocked that no one opens a uh, business. That's why I'm shocked that no one opens a business next to Bodo's or the UVA corner. Why doesn't someone open up a business literally right next to Bodo's on Preston? You got 1,000 people a day going to Bodo's, 1,500 people a day, and what's the business literally right next to it? The writer's workshop. Someone explain that to me. I mean, you can't just evict them and give it to a better company. It, it's not up to the landlord to determine who's going to be renting the business. It's up to the tenant to choose to rent there to capitalize on the popularity of Bodo's bagels. You're not going to invent the tenant. The landlord doesn't care as long as they're paying the rent. I'm saying the marketplace should open a business right next to Bodo's to capitalize on 1,500 people going into the location. It's like the same thing when a big brand does market research and chooses to open its big box brand on a corner in a location, in a corner in a city. That Big box brand choosing to open a location on that corner makes all the real estate on that corner more valuable. Hmm. All right. Alex Sorby in about two minutes. Who am I? If we want to get that lower third back up on screen. When did I love Seville sticker by answering this question? It's a new segment on the show. I'm a uh, cab driver. I'm a country music singer. I've been in Charlottesville or Waynesboro for most of my life. And I used to tour with big country music acts. Who am I? 
I love um, Who Am I? I also have an affinity for uh, pretty girls that are UVA college students. Who am I? There could be so many people at this time. Um, Bill McChesney, you're exactly right. Uh, Choo Choo Town was absorbed by El Carbone. In fact, Choo Choo Town was the uh, sister brand for El Carbone. Um, anybody know who I am? Has anyone got this right? I think the only person to get this right so far is James Watson. Do you know who it is, the answer, Judah Wickhauer? Did I ask you that already? Uh, you did. I, I wouldn't have any way. Do you know, Alex, do you know as you come over here? Cab driver, country music singer, been in Waynesboro and Charlottesville for most of his life. Has an eye for pretty gals that go to the University of Virginia. Likes a cold beer or two. May utilize a cane to get around these days. I've known this person for 23 years. Um, Alex Serpy, CEO, Emergent Financial Services, will get you in the mix. Janice Boyce Trevilian said she thought the forum was exclusive to the college. That's what I'm saying. It's so many people do not know what's going on with the forum on Darden grounds, UVA grounds. It's getting no media coverage, and so many folks think it's not open to the public. It's, it's, I'm surprised by this. Um, all right, Deep Throat's got some comments. And then we get to Alex Erpe. He says, I go to the center for Coors Brothers, the Woodbrook Shopping Center. He says, getting back onto 29 South to go home sucks. And it's just fairly crummy looking facility. Can't really do anything high end. It definitely needs some TLC, yeah. undoubtedly about that. You want to offer anything on Woodbrook? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, I feel trying to feel the same way. The, it's, the, the reason I tend to go there is ultra bone, pretty much. That place is That's great. That's the number one, and it's the, it's the busiest place there. The only other brand I know there is, um, obviously, Jefferson Engraving. I really like what uh, the work they do. I used to, I used to get all my uh, Ford Adelante prizes, all our plaques engraved from uh, Barbara over there. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much the reason. I think the challenge, too, is that even though you have the Lowe's and the Chick-fil-A across the way, if I'm correct, if my and I'm, my family knows I'm directionally challenged. If I'm correct, there is there's that mall with the Kroger right next to Lowe's on the same side of 29. So you'd have the challenge of do pe would people actually think it's worth it if you're going to Lowe's? Do you actually cross the 29 to go to another shopping center? Or can you pretty much, get, if you needed to pick up something else, would you just pick it up at the same shopping center that's right next to Lowe's? on the same side of 29 without crossing. Or would you yeah. go to the eventual Home Depot that's built right next door and not have to cross the road at all? At all. Um, Home Depot, remember, owns Fashion Square Mall and is opening a is location a right there, which is um, hop, skip, and a jump on the same side of the road as the Woodbrook Shopping Center. I don't know. I just, I, you got a neighborhood. You got a ton. You got, how many cars go by Woodbrook a day? 30,000? I have. Huge, I mean, I, I know. I know. By I love Seville on Market Street, there's twelve thousand. It's one of the most. It, that stretch has to between Walmart and essentially what Barracks has to be one of the most driven stretches of. 29. In Central Virginia. Yeah. It literally in Central Virginia. I mean, what stretch of road has more traffic than right there in front of Woodbrook? Can anyone name a stretch of Barracks and Stonefield? Hydraulic Twenty Nine, maybe. 12,000 cars drive by I Love Seville Studio and see this brand every day. Uh, not Saturdays and Sundays. Monday through Friday, 12,000. So for that stretch, 12, that's gotta be at least 60, 5X, yeah. 6X, 7X, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could probably find that data on VDOT somewhere. That'd be tough to find in real time. No need for you to look for that. I, I don't think that would be easy to find. Um, but I guess that's just the point. It seems to have a lot working for it, and it just seems to be like, terribly struggling. Um, all right, different topic. What, my friend, is Emergent Financial Services watching market-wise? What's the topic point in the office at your firm over the last week? Over the last week, really, it, we're, we seem to be a little bit in kind of a waiting game period because I think everyone's kind of sitting there with bated breath waiting to see what the Federal Reserve does next because we have a series of conflicting um, pieces of data, if you will, because we had, obviously we know that the banks are struggling in this interest rate environment, which is not good for the economy. We know that 
there are a couple signs. We've seen a couple recessionary signs. My um, Xavier was noticing this um, car loan defaults beginning to rise a little bit. In other words, you kind of see that on the earlier side when people begin to run out of money because people are still clever enough to realize I should not pay my car loan before I don't pay my credit card because one, the credit card is going to have a way higher interest rate than the car loan. Um, but you need to see that a little bit. But on the flip side, in as much as the year-to-year -year inflation declined, it was still positive month-to-month, -month, meaning, yes, prices are up, you know, 6% from a year ago, whereas a year ago they were up 9% over 2021. So, that, I mean, I guess it's, it's good that it's not 9 but prices were still up between uh, February and March. So inflation continues to be a problem, which means the Federal Reserve is going to continue to try to find, basically, my suspicion is they're looking to see how much they can squeeze out of this interest rate before things really go south. And you even had one of them, again, it's, it's just one Federal Reserve Board member, I forget which, what his name was, Bostich, or um, it started with a B, but he he basically implied today, and again, he's just one vote. Um, he basically implied that he'd like to see one more, and then a, a basically uh, a pause in which they don't know when they're coming back. So one more quarter point. Yeah, basically one more quarter point, um, and then an indefinite pause on interest rate hikes. Um, that's what he he wants to see, whether or not. Again, a lot of what goes on, what people kind of need to know about the Federal Reserve Board is a lot of what goes on is that the Federal Reserve Chair, in this case Powell, kind of his job is to kind of get everybody to give a unanimous front. So even though there may be um, dissension amongst the Federal Reserve Board, like so maybe some people don't want to raise rates anymore, some do, they're going to try to get that as close as they can to a unanimous vote, even if some of them disagree. They may vote the way the Federal Reserve Chair asks them to so as not to give the impression of a split Federal Reserve Board. So we don't know, I have no idea which way that next vote is gonna go, but you've at least got one publicly indicating that he'd like to see one more rate hike and then an indefinite pause. And I think that speaks to the Federal Reserve beginning to see, all right, there are some, there are some underlying issues here that are pointing to recession, even if recession is not immediately evident. Um, Judo, jump in here anytime you want. Um, anything you want to add, I'll, I'll uh, adapt to you if you want to offer perspective. Ginny Hu says, guys, it's five cent cone day coming up at Coors Brothers, both locations, Ooh. Keswick and the Woodbrook Shopping Center location. I haven't had an ice cream cone in a dog's age. Oh, five cent cone day is coming up. Nice. Bring Liza could be a good... Uh, yeah. Could be a good experience. All this right, is so. something classic about the uh, soft serve at Coors Brothers. Custard. It's custard. Coors Brothers is amazing. I, I love it. I've, I'm very, it, it's classic is a yeah, good word. It's a good word. Um, so I'll decipher what you said in a, uh, um, say, very layman's perspective here. Mm -hmm. So 25 points, a hike on the horizon, potentially the last one. Mm-hmm. This is what this means for Charlottesville. Credit card debt may get a smidge more expensive if they raise rates a little bit more. Mm -hmm. If they stop raising rates after that, your credit card interest rate probably is not going to get any higher. Yeah, it'll probably stay. I mean, it's already... It's already astronomically high, right? Mm -hmm. um, your other floating debt is already high, but probably won't get any higher. Um, go ahead. Only spreads to drive them higher in the sense of, depending on the floating rate, that, the risk that is perceived. Yeah, words, the bad credit, good credit. Yeah, yeah exactly. In right. other words, if, if, if the lenders start to say, eh, you know, I'm worried about small businesses, even if rates don't go up, the spread goes up, meaning that their, their debt may go up. The main thing I'm worried about, and Judah, anytime you want, any, you jump in. The main thing I'm worried about small businesses right now is the lending environment seems to be getting very tight. Mm -hmm. And the small business having access to capital, um, whether it's an emergency or, or expansion or, or some kind of crisis, that's becoming fewer and further between. And access to capital for a small business, Charlottesville, Lynchburg, Waynesboro, that is small business, mm -hmm. having access to capital. 
And we saw the lending environment get tighter. Part of that was the bank run. Mm -hmm. Apple, whether they intended this or not, almost started a bank run yesterday with this 4.15% interest uh, on a savings account. They're getting in the banking business. And people are making a run on banks yesterday because of that. I mean, it just seems so fragile this economy right now. It is in a fragile state. I think that's kind of where I think that's kind of where we are. Where I would describe it as, as um, Gandalf says it in Lord of the Rings of all things. He says the deep breath before the plunge. You know, you were kind of there, taking that deep breath, not knowing which way this is going to go. But there, there are a lot of underlying factors that suggest that people are nervous. Small businesses are nervous. The lenders to small businesses are nervous. Banks are nervous, period. Because, again, banks are sitting there saying we, they typically lend at high rates, borrow at low rates. The, the yield curve is inverted there, meaning right now banks are borrowing at high rates and lending at lower rates. So the issue is it's very difficult for them to make money in that environment. They, they are very much, their margins are on edge. And then you've got, like I said, you've got the consumer that is probably, well, we're, what the car loans is telling me is that the consumer is beginning to run out of money. Yeah. The oh, consumer yeah. has There's, tapped all their lines of credit. Exactly. They have tapped out <clears throat> and they are beginning not to pay yeah. certain debts. Because before you pay your, before you choose to not pay your car loan, you'll take out a line of credit to pay your car loan. And if they're not paying their car loan, that means they're getting no more lines of credit. Unless, yeah, basically unless you're underwater. You still, but to Alex's point, underwater with a car is different because you need the car to make money, to get to and from your job. So, like, losing your car is like, it's like, you know, when, you know, That's I'm fair. seeing this with folks in my family. Mm -hmm. when, when folks that are older, you take, like, a, a grandparent or a great-grandparent, and their vision goes, mm -hmm. and then they lose the ability to drive that ability, even if they don't use the car, it's even right. if it's strictly to go to like church or the grocery store and that's it, but losing the ability to drive can be like the, one of the first things that leads to death. It's like dispiriting and yeah. demoralizing for them. And like, I guess why I'm bringing this up, if someone cannot pay their car, that's basically almost in a lot of ways taking away their opportunity to earn money. Because yeah, they use the car to get the there. It's step right before credit cards. Right. So go down. Talk In other to words, when you stop paying the car loan, the next thing to do is probably credit cards. In other words, most people are going to sit there saying, What do I do? I can't pay either one. You know what I mean? I can only pay one or the other. You, people, most people, I think, know enough not to fail to pay off the credit card because they understand that it's got a crazy high interest rate. Um, you'd be surprised how many people... Don't realize that, but I think most people do. I think um, I think there are more people nowadays. Uh, I was reading something recently about uh, how the uh, the younger generations are just. I, th I think they're just like you said, demoralized. They don't they don't know they don't see a way out of the current conditions that we're living in uh, this country, and so they're using debt. And they just don't care. It's like, what, what else am I supposed to do? I can't afford to live anywhere. I can't afford a car. I can't afford to eat. So I'm just going to, you know, I think they just, uh, they just fall into this rut of using whatever they can and, uh, and, not, and just not worrying about it. I mean, what, do you, what do you think about that, Alex? Oh, no, I think, I think Judas is exactly right. I, I, I saw a statistic the other day because sometimes, you know, how we only see the, we only look at like the year over year or month to month inflation numbers i think i saw the other day that basically the dollar is worth when you go to the store 40 percent less than it was in i think right before right in the midst of 2020 yeah. so covid and right in the start midst of covid, of COVID yeah. you, if you want to count that as under your like bottoming out of of the inflation number and then it started to up since then so imagine everything you buy is essentially 40. So you earn a dot like this. If you're earning the same, and we know salaries haven't gone up that much, so you're no. sitting there either well, earning the same salary or a little bit more, and you're like, how on earth do I live? You just, what are you doing? As like Judah said, you can't not pay rent. You can't not pay groceries. You can't not pay gas. Guess which three things have gone up most? Yeah, he's 100% right. Because remember, the core inflation 
number gets adjusted. Yeah. So the, the feds come in and say, well, you know, this car is 20% more expensive than it was, but it's a better car. So it's really only 10% more expensive. That doesn't do me any good. I, I don't care that the car is, is better. I only care that I can't afford it. Yeah. Right? So most of those things that adjusted, but food, gas, rent have gone up the most. You can't not pay them. Yeah. Right? So people take out debt. They had a little bit, my suspicion is they had between when their 401ks or their whatever savings they had had done up a little bit in 2020. They got a little bit of stimulus. Some people maybe opened up their brokerage accounts and made a little money. That's gone. Like that's probably been drained. So now you're sitting there saying it's either the credit card debt or the car debt. And the car debt's going to go first, followed by the credit card debt. Good stuff right there. Um, on top of that, the real estate values have gone up. People say, oh, you have more equity in your home. Folks, the equity in your home is only worth something when you're ready to sell your house. Mm. And let's consider the fact that when your real estate values go up, so do your tax mm -hmm. burdens associated with owning the real estate. Mm -hmm. So while you have more equity in your home, that equity is strictly paper money. Yes, that and is the, cash flow. Exactly. And at the same time that your paper money has gotten more robust, it's just paper money. Your overhead on that property across the board has gone up exponentially more. Dude, it's brutal, man. And that's why I wanted to highlight. It's one of the reasons I highlighted the, uh, this Forum Hotel. I mean, John Blair is watching on LinkedIn. He says the Forum is a huge development. If you understand Charlottesville history, the Omni Hotel was the talk of the town for years when it was built. Arguably, the Forum is bigger, and you are really the only outlet highlighting its enormity right now. Thank you, John, for that comment right there. That's one of the reasons we chose to highlight this. We wanted to highlight it because of the Fortune 500 piece, because it's going to attract incremental revenue to this jurisdiction Monday through Thursday when hotel business is soft. We wanted to highlight the, uh, the, the fact that it's a Kipton brand. I also wanted to highlight the labor piece. Where are the workers going to come from? Where are the workers going to come from these two hotels here. on Ivy Road? <laughs> I mean, we got two hotels, two conference centers, a couple of restaurants, more restaurants coming with the, the UVA Foundation property. Where's this, the labor coming from, fellas? Well, I think you made a great point in the fact that uh, it's likely to draw its labor pool from, uh, from current businesses. So, you know, people will find, like you said, uh, they'll find good conditions, they'll find... Uh, Good uh, to find, you know, uh, all the uh, all the perks that go along with a with a, you know, a high profile business like that, and uh, we'll have the uh, we'll have the the Wegmans effect where um, a lot of good people will go there and uh, get taken away from from uh, from local businesses. So that's a possibility, yeah. It'll be counteracted somewhat by the fact that um, we're beginning to see just overall, and I think the Charles Vuitton labor probably is not as strong as it was. We talked about how that wouldn't last forever. Labor's not in as good a bargaining position as it was a year ago, two years ago. Um, we, so I suspect we may start beginning, to, we may start to see some people go back to industries that they left because they were looking for something better. And if the, that better has not materialized or they get laid off from that better, they will then go back. But in the, in the short term, I mean, assu assuming they're paying better than your small business in Charlottesville can afford to pay, then yeah, people would probably switch. You've got, you've got a little bit of that Wedman's effect. Again, might be counteracted by the fact that labor, I think is gonna head into a rougher spot. What do you think? Anything you wanna to add to that? Mm. How is labor going to enter in a rougher spot? Because labor's losing leverage. Yeah, as, as, as leverage, in other words, as the, as the tech companies and as other companies begin to peel off the, the, mark, the basically the marketing people and a lot of people they hired in 2020, 2021, where labor had the advantage, those people may not have any choice now but to go back to mm. the, the industries that say, well, okay, I don't have to work in this industry anymore because I can get a job anywhere because there's a shortage of labor. Now we're no longer seeing that. There's no longer a shortage of labor, and they may have no choice but to go back to So that. you hear what he's saying right there, right? What's on the brain over there? I see the wheels turning. I mean, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Uh, How so? I mean, we're, we're no longer seeing a shortage in labor. 
Well, that's, I don't think that's necessarily what he's saying. It's, that's beginning, in other words, that, the, the, the 10 million people that could be working and are choosing not to has shrunk. And the job openings, in other words, there's no longer, I think, it's swift. There was a time when we were talking on the show that there were more job openings than there were people looking for work. I think that has, that's no longer the case hmm. nationally. Mm -hmm. I think now, the, given the number of layoffs and the, short, and the shrinking of job openings, I think it's either even or there may be slightly more people looking for work than there are job That was an unusual scenario we were in. That's very rare. How does the local business, how does the local mom and pop that needs to run a business with staff that's paid 12 to $20 an hour survive in this oh, area? It's, it's tough. I mean, I just, I don't see a future for a business that needs a heavy labor pool of 12 to $20 an hour staff. I, there's just too much competition opening. And the competition that's opening for the 12 to $20 an hour employee is now competition in Charlottesville locally from major players. Mm. Like Andre talked about on this program, staffing for something like Kipton is coming from J1 visas, getting folks from overseas to come and work here. Borsa does a real good job of that as well. Mm. Of a, a lot of the staff that's working there is, 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 is folks, this is their first time working in America. If that's the case, they wouldn't necessarily be pulling from local, from local, local folks. Unless it's, unless it's local who needs a J-1 visa at this point, like, mm -hmm. who already came. I just, I, I do not, the, the local mom and pop is not going to be able to utilize the J-1 visa route to no, staff. No. They don't have no that sophistication. Trace is watching in Houston. She owns a pet store in Houston. Trace, it's great to see you. She says, we don't survive. I'm about to close my store in Houston after 12 years because of the labor. Yeah. I mean, and, Trace, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad to hear. And, my, and the issue with that is you, you knocked out all the small businesses and the competition they have amongst each other for labor. There's going to be a day when, when all, if all you've got left is the big ones. It's going to be mainstream. Be well, there's a day when they reverse that. And they're like, well, guess what? It's, it's $11 an hour. If you don't like it, too bad. There's no one else to hire you because it's just us. That's what happened. They call it monopsony. You know monopoly? Yeah. Monopoly is when it's on the, um, or monopolies are when it's on the consumer side, like stuff they're selling you. There's only one person who sells bottled water. They have a yeah. monopoly on bottled water. Monopsony is when there's only one employer or very few employers. That's scary. So then they begin to get the leverage on employees. In other words, if, if you get to the point where all you have is four big employers, there's going to be a day when, guess what, they're not going to be giving you competitive wages anymore I mean, because there's no one left to compete with. We saw, we saw basically what Alex is talking about. We see that now with UVA with the living wage of $15, where UVA says our base for living wage is 15 bucks. And UVA sets the living wage barometer locally because the number one employer, employer says living wage is 15 bucks and that's what we're going to pay. Mm -hmm. So that becomes the number. Mm -hmm. That's basically what you're saying. Well, that becomes a number. But what I'm saying is the day when there's no competition anymore, if UVA they turns, lower if they change their mind and say, well, it's now 12, they what can are you going to do nefarious. about it? There's nobody left. To, there's no small business to say, well, I'll offer you. 14. This from Andre Xavier on Alex's point. Andre Xavier is one of the co-owners of Patch Brewery. Yeah, what's he seeing? He says, Patch Brewery, last year we had job openings and we had three applicants. This week, we had the same job posting, literally everything the same. There were 32 mm -hmm. applicants. Wow. He says the job market has turned. We've been yeah. talking about it on the show for months, that the leverage is the now leverage on the side has, of the employer. Has been, has been done to shift. Yeah, the employees lost the leverage. And we're seeing that with folks saying, get back to the office, and people are having to do it, and if not, they're getting fired. Mm -hmm. If that was happening during COVID, like you said on the show last week, they could be working a couple jobs without their other boss knowing they Without were working. knowing, exactly. Yeah, and that was happening. That, they taught 700 federal employees doing that. Now, they were collecting um, unemployment while still for working for the federal government because they were working from home. There you go. 
Travis and Danville, I get what Alex Erpi is saying, but typically hospitality is not a high-wage sector until you get into management. So on that front, the hotel is on the same playing field as most others, and they're all poaching from one another. Again, you cannot underestimate the competition this hotel is going to face from the state gambling institutions who arguably have equal or better lodging and food options. Mm -hmm. Conferences will go to the highest bidder, not just to a place where it's located somewhere. And Travis is speaking from experience in Danville. He's watching in Danville. Remember, yeah. they're getting a Caesars Casino mm -hmm. in Danville. Yeah. So he's saying for, for these retreats. A lot of retreats, work Travis has shown me. They're doing a lot of uh, renovation, reconstruction in Danville. He's a phenomenal evangelist of Danville. Yeah. Are you getting direct messages from Tam? Yep. Oh yeah, so do we here. What an evangelist yeah. of Danville. He, I mean, they're doing some neat, some neat things down there. I, I will say this, Travis. While the Caesars Casino in Danville looks absolutely beautiful, what UVA has that Danville does not is the University of Virginia. So if it's a recruiting retreat, you would see why a Fortune 500 would mm. want to be at UVA mm -hmm. because of the pipeline of talent. This is from James Watson. Waynesboro has the new Amazon warehouse. I think in Charlottesville and immediate surrounding areas, they don't have enough population to keep multiple large hotels fully staffed particularly since those jobs won't pay enough to live. I believe they definitely will have to provide opportunities for people from abroad the way Farmington does. Borsa doing that too, Farmington doing that too. A lot of the ones that have money and depth and sophistication and resources are staffing their food and beverage positions from Europeans. Mm. I mean, you see that all over the place. Uh, last time I visited Portland, Maine, uh, we went to the grocery store, and there were a, apparently, uh, I think it was uh, Sudan, was really, really big in exporting their their uh, their people to uh, America, and uh, and a, a lot of them end up in in Maine. And the same thing with the Outer Banks. Uh, whenever we go to, uh, whenever we go on vacation there. Uh, you stop at the grocery stores, and there are people talking. I don't know if it's Romanian or, or what it is, but uh, Central Central Europe uh, Central Europeans, Eastern Europeans, uh, are pretty much 100% of the uh, of the people uh, running the registers and bagging your bagging your groceries. Ginny Hu says the five cent cone day is today, literally right now, this and is it's packed. <laughs> Five cent cone day at Coors Brothers, both locations today. Neil Williamson also says, he's commenting on what Andre is saying on a different page. Mm -hmm. Neil Williamson says the lack of direct flights to Charlottesville will also negatively impact the competitiveness of conferences. The direct flights mm -hmm. and lack thereof will yeah. certainly impact Danville and Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. uh, both of our jurisdictions yeah, for these for big sure. time corporate 500 conferences. Um, all right, so where do you want to go here? Where you, you expect a quarter a point? Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I suspect. Again, I don't. There's only one saying that they should. I, no matter what, it's going to be a quarter of a point. I, they're not going back to 50 basis points. I'd be I'd be stunned if they went higher. Quarter of a point. What I don't know is whether that will be an indefinite pause after that in terms of raising rates, or if they're going to try to squeeze another one in. But there's a, at least, in other words, there's at least beginning to be an appetite on the Federal Reserve Board to say, let's do one more and then stop for the time being. So mm. whether that will come to pass, I don't know. But I think we can, I, I would be pretty sure that we can bait in another quarter of a point, um, but, but nothing higher than that. Albert Graves says, so they're outsourcing local jobs to Europeans instead of filling those vacancies. That's tough because they take the money and bring it back to their home instead of keeping it locally each year. Um, Janice Boyce Trevelyan says Whole That's Foods. partially she, true. She says Whole Foods Charlottesville is also doing something similar to what you were talking about with the grocery store. It is partially true. They still have to buy food. They still have to. They still have to live somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, they still have to pay for transportation some some way. A lot of the lodging is subsidized by the employer. When when uh, these. That's still money going into uh, into the the local economy. Yeah, if the employer yeah. subsidizes, it's still going in. Yeah, yeah what well, happens? Some percentage the of savings. the range you would imagine would go back 
to Europe. To the family, but it's not as though they then pick up, move, and then go live in. They're they're living here and spending the money here. Right. The the Obviously, percentage that's going home is very small. The percentage that's going home is essentially the savings of what they could squirrel away while working the job here. Everything mm -hmm. else is being spent here. Or maybe some additional modicum of spending that they might have spent for themselves if they didn't have family abroad or something. Okay. His counterpoint to that is, it's a good point, Warrior AG, but they're not laying down roots here, he says. No taxes being paid, no mortgages, and no um, incremental revenue to continue growing the community. That's a good well, that point. Would be, that would be a different, yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah, there's more of a longer term, I think, implication there. Um, I, I appreciate that. He also says the seasonal Aramark employees will jump on these jobs um, undoubtedly. What do you have planned for uh, today, Imanyana, on Thursday? Actually, it's going to be a lot of finance talk. We're going to have, uh, I think right now the plan is a little bit in flux because that's the nature of scheduling okay. uh, lots of different small business owners. But I think uh, right now it's looking like possibly Nick Michael and myself are going to talk, the Europe Bros are going to talk some finance. I like it. Uh, on today, Manya, a little bit about where the economy is going, a little bit about, you know, just ways we're seeing people navigate that, um, things to be thinking about. It's not, it's not all doom and gloom in the sense that there are, there are ways that you can mitigate it. I think an environment like this, to be honest, I think the number one thing that happens is it when things are tight and you're in a tough environment, it exacerbates those, the impact of those one or two big decisions. A, a poorly thought out financial decision, can you have now less leeway to say, oh, that was a mistake, but it's not too big a deal because my job is paying me tons of money and everything is cheap. Now it's saying, oh, a big financial mistake is going to cost me and I really don't have excess cash to make up for it. If I, start, if I, you know, if I started saving too late or I made a, a bad decision on my mortgage or I made bought this car when I really uh, I should I shouldn't have leased that or I shouldn't have bought this one a big mistake like that you have a lot less margin for error when basically your budget is on a shoestring because the difference between what you're earning and and your your necessary expenses is is very tiny the margin is really small right now he's the CEO of emergent financial services emergent financial services a family-owned businesses mm -hmm. Three brothers, one father. They're trustworthy, hardworking, honest, and well-researched. They will help anyone plan for retirement in a conservative, physically conservative way. You are fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thursdays at 10.15 a.m., the Erpies Today Imanyana, presented by Emergent Financial Services. Mm -hmm. Anyone want to guess on the Who Am I? I think we only have one person who got this right. <laughs> this is I'm a stuck. new segment. Um, bus or a cab driver, country music singer. Um, gets around with a cane these days, has an eye for a pretty gal in a sundress that goes to the University of Virginia, um, has called this area his home for decades, if not generations, is a guy that, fans, that likes facial hair and cold beers from time to time, his venues for playing music are all over town, in particular the UVA Corner, in particular the outside bar at Coupe de Ville's. He would routinely play a set on Tuesday night, Tuesday night at Coupe de Ville's. Viewers and listeners, who am I? Put the comments in the comment section. Did someone successfully guess that? Only one person has got it right. Do you have that lower third on? The who am I? Anyone want to jump in? We got one guy who has got this right, literally. The Who Am I uh, segment is going to be one that I'm going to routinely welcome to the show after seeing only one person get it right. The answer to this is Benny Dodd. My name is Benny Dodd. Benny Dodd. You've never heard of Benny Dodd? No. No, unfortunately, I'm with you on that one. Benny Dodd. <laughs> Benny Dodd. How long has uh, Benny Dodd been playing music here? I'd say, I don't know, 40 years? 40 years? Um, the Benny Dodd band, Benny Dodd, James Watson, <laughs> Judah Wickhauer will reach out to you via direct message to get a mailing address so we can mail you an I Love Seville sticker. James Watson, the king of orbit. Alex, you are amazing. Oh, you guys are great. Love, love being on here with you. We love having Judah, you on the show. Judah, uh, some great inputs today, I thought. Judah always Thanks. has good yeah. insight. J-Dubs, Judah B. Wickhauer. Did you get a Yiddish reference in for Ginny Who? Uh, let's She's see. watching on Twitter now. 
Our Yiddish word for the day. Yes. <laughs> Schmendrick. Schmendrick? Yep. What's Can you smell mean? it for us and tell us what it means? Can I smell it for you? Spell it for us if you could. <laughs> Schmendrick? S-H-M-E-N-D-R-I-K. Okay. Popularized in the 70s by Welcome Back Kata. Ah, okay. And it means... Uh, it's used to call someone a jerk oh. or a stupid person. <laughs> oh, so you what would call a, someone a, a schmendrick? What a schmendrick. Oh. He's a schmendrick. Yeah. Schmendrick? Don't listen to that schmendrick. That schmendrick has no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> schmendrick. Yep, schmendrick. Oh, I, I like it. remember that one. That's a good one. That's for you, Ginny Who. Schmendrick. Um, Alex Zerby, Judah Wickhauer. Jerry, <laughs> the Schmendrick Miller. It's the I Love Sevo show on a Tuesday. We're back tomorrow at 12.30 and Real Talk at 10.15 a.m. So long, everybody. Take care. Oh, that was fun.